Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, along with Brian Smith, the Florida football scout. And I do want to let you know that LinkedIn is the college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Brian, we have made it. Let's see, Ole Miss is six and one. They're doing quite well, but we're getting close to that national signing day. And one thing that we're going to be interested in, Ole Miss has one of the best defensive line classes in the country right now, in my opinion. And sure. they might add to it. I think um, I think his name's Al- Tony Alfano, that he's the guy at Lackawanna who transferred from Alabama. Um, there's right. a chance he could be added into this class. Um, th- this defensive line class, there's some dudes. Well, we know about Franklin. We've talked about Eccles. Jeffrey Rush, Southern Mississippi kid, doesn't get enough respect, although he's ranked pretty high, but nobody really talks about him in many circles because he committed so long ago. He committed back in March to Ole Miss. And then there's Maurice Davis from the state of Georgia. He's at a program I'm familiar with. I saw him play a couple of years ago. Very long and athletic kid. They've got some dudes, and I don't think people really think Ole Miss and think defense because Lane is there. But now that they're getting some of these defensive pieces up front, it changes what you can do long term. And it's not like Lane Kiffin's not going to be a good play caller in a couple of years either. Yeah, you have a situation to where most of the defensive line for the future for Ole Miss is basically stacked in this class. You have a defense that at one point will have Camarion Franklin, Sontarian Perkins, uh, Cam Beavers, Jeffrey Rush, William Eccles, all of those on the field at the same time. If you're looking at like um, the sophomore years of Franklin and Eccles and those guys. That's right. And, and when that happens, this defense has a chance to be really good. And that's a weird thing for a Lane Kiffin coach team. Now the question is, how well do they gel together and all that stuff, which obviously takes its course over time. But as the saying goes, I'd rather have the talent and figure it out later. So mm. we'll, we'll see what they get. But, yeah, Ole Miss is in a totally different spot with this recruiting class than they've been in in, in a long, long time. So I, I, I'm making his name wrong. If I do, I apologize. I think his name's Antonio Alfano. Um, he, he signed with Alabama out of high school. Had Yep a problem with like seizures. I think it was, he ended up dropping some weight. He ended up transferring out to Colorado and then Lackawanna. The seizure thing is apparently under control. Now he's put the weight back on that got him the Alabama spot um, scholarship to start with. What do you know about this kid? I remember seeing him out of high school and he was just a kid that everybody should have recruited. Hmm. He had the ability with the length. He had some length on his arms. He could get off on that first step. And he was a young man that, again, like if Alabama recruits you, there's a reason, especially with defensive line. They don't they don't really recruit D-line. They pick more than they do anything else. So for him to be scouted by them and they go after him like they did tells you a lot. But it is unfortunate the seizure thing happened. But, hey, I'm glad he's back on track. Yeah, and Pete Golding was the defensive coordinator that That's recruited right. him to Alabama. So there, there's probably right. some familiarity there as well. So Ole Miss in the high school class, they have, I don't know, somewhere around 20 commitments at this moment. And there's no 25 anymore, by the way. 
Three years ago, right. if you signed 20 or got 20 high school players, you'd only have spots for five transfer portal players, and that doesn't exist anymore. So with those 20 players, how ready do you think – you think Ole Miss is switching over to transfer portal more so than high school recruiting is kind of like just maintain. Now let's start looking in, to fill in pieces. Unless it's a higher-end high school kid, the way – Let's be honest, Ole Miss, what do you think? Top five in the nation over the last couple of years of putting portal players in and actually getting production. They've hit high enough. I would think they'd be pretty selective from this point through signing day on adding any pieces. But again, if you can get a four-star kid to flip, you know, whatever, that's fine. But otherwise, yeah, I think it's portal. And I think it'll also still be defensive-minded because what do I know is Kiffin finds the offensive pieces and, and puts them in play. Yeah, and and he can handle that like I have not seen very often. It's it, it's really impressive. It, it you know we always joke about him being a savant and stuff with offense and all this. It, it, it's really true with Lane because he does something once or twice a game, and that you're like, I didn't think about doing that, and now that I see it, yes, that was absolutely the perfect thing to do. His play calling is really good. Uh, I know there's one former DC in the SEC that thought that he was the best play caller in the league a few years ago. If, mm. if you're even in that conversation, it puts things in perspective, but he flat out said he was the best. So I thought that was interesting. Well, tonight Ole Miss plays Vanderbilt. And now this, I, I say this is a legacy game or not a legacy game for Jackson Dart. This is a program game for Ole Miss, but it's not about beating Vanderbilt. Okay. You have to beat Vanderbilt for the Georgia game and the Texas A&M game to mean something. Yes. And to be in that stage puts this Vanderbilt game as a must-win as a program-defining game. What say you? Well, I'm curious. You know how sometimes kids just completely look past opponents. Mm -hmm. College kids are really good at screwing that up. I'd be curious to be a fly on the wall this week from Monday on with meetings how much they paid attention because it's still an SEC opponent. And I know Vandy's nowhere near any of the other teams are going to play down the stretch, but can they put them away early? So the starters don't have to get wore out in the fourth quarter. They're hanging out with Lane on the sidelines, not to win, but are they going to dominate? There's a big difference. You need to rest as much as you can with the opponents they have coming up. Yeah, it's, it's it really is the, the next step for Ole Miss football is they need to start acting like a top 10 team. They're winning enough to get into that conversation. They need to start acting like it on the field. So the game against Auburn should have been 42 to 14 as opposed to 28-21. 100%. Stuff like that. That, that. I think that is the next step for the program. Yeah, when you get a lead, there's something about gamesmanship and play calling and just finishing plays. I mean, they were up 28-14 against Auburn. And you thought, okay, one more play here and they just – it's over. And well, at twenty-eight fourteen with that Auburn offense, it was over. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, like, you could have, you, you need to take it. You need a scoop and score, a sag, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And Auburn gets this. It's just like, wow. You at least gave them hope. You you can't do that because mm -hmm. you do that against a better opponent, you lose. So that's that's you're, you're right. They have to mm -hmm. take that next step, and Vandy's a good way to do it because if you can't do it against Vandy, it's not going to go well against Georgia. Yeah, because. At this point, I think Ole Miss is building towards Georgia. In an ideal world, you would get through Vanderbilt. Now, I, and I'm 
just get through Vanderbilt because everybody and their mother is looking ahead to Texas A&M next week. Then Texas A&M, that's I, I think Ole Miss needs to show up against A&M. Like really show up and then well, get ready for physical, that. So they're yeah. better. And I think Ole Miss's game plan will be similar to what they did against LSU because Lane, for all of he all he does, they respect LSU's front seven because LSU's earned that reputation. Sure. Uh, and so they try to protect the offensive line. So all of a sudden the ball's getting out at different tempos, at different spots on the field. It's moving around in different directions. All of a sudden, those linebackers and DBs had no idea what was going on. They couldn't win, and that offense got going, and they just essentially in the fourth quarter, Ole Miss got the ball with two minutes to go in the game on their own 12-yard line, and the only question was how much time is going to LSU, LSU going to have after Ole Miss scored a touchdown? That was it. Mm-hmm. LSU looked lost, yeah, especially was- in that fourth quarter. They, they just kind of lost any gumption they had because they were confused. Yeah, I, th- I think the game plan will be similar to that because A&M's front seven's pretty good and their secondary. Their it's secondary not. got victimized by Jalen Milrow. And <laughs> he's not Jackson Dart. Yeah, so it should be interesting. Anyway, thank you for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week, buddy. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you much.